0: Welcome to the Storymakers interview series where we rave over our favorite narratives and shine some light on the dedicated creatives who bring them to life. This series and our other platforms and channels are part of a larger mission to create an intuitive web space for storytellers' from all backgrounds. Our web app will help storytellers publish custom manga, webtoons, comics, and other stories. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website, storystorm.co. I'm Jeremy Moore, CEO of StoryStorm.co, and I'm here with Gazelle Omar. Hi, Gazelle.
1: Hey, Jeremy. How's it going?
0: It's going good. I'm super excited to have you. I've been reading your work kind of on the periphery for a little bit, and uh, I'm really excited to get into it, you know, dig into your story and uh, see how the work came about. Thanks so much for sharing a bit of your time with us today. I'm just really excited to have you.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk more about uh, about my book.
0: All right. I'll start off with the first question. You know, I'd like to take it all the way back to the beginning. Where are you from?
1: I'm actually from Afghanistan. I was born in Kabul and I was actually raised in the Bay Area, of California. My parents and family fled uh, with the Soviet invasion back in the early 80s. So I grew up in Fremont, California. At one point, it was the largest Afghan American population. And uh, went to school here and actually moved back to Afghanistan for a few years back in 2010 to 2013, roughly. And then I'm back to California. So uh, pretty much, most of my life I've been in either northern or southern California.
0: West Coast, I like it. <laughs> do you plan on staying there forever? Is it you a know, West Coast ride or die?
1: You know, I, I love California. I'll be honest with you; it's 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 got everything. However, I can never plan just because I've had a chance to travel a lot over the last few years. I've been to Singapore, China, Tel Aviv, London, Barcelona, you name it, and Right now, as I'm doing the book tour, I just came back from Portland and now going to Vegas next week and New York this week. So it just, just so, so many places and meeting new people, eating at these cool places and just absorbing all the culture throughout the world and this country. It's So I can't just say uh, California is the only place, but I do love it. It's been a pretty cool place just because the people are pretty cool and it just... I think it's always ahead of it, of its time. Everyone wants to come to mm-hmm. California, not just the weather, it's the culture as well. So, and it's a, it's a very open culture. So
0: I like that. That's really cool. <laughs> so, okay. Started in West coast, been around the world. What's an early creative work that had the biggest influence on you?
1: That would be honestly would be Pulp Fiction. I saw that. I once seen the theater in my, cousin convinced me to watch interview with the vampire instead and (laughs) biggest (laughs) mistakes. (laughs) So when I saw it, it just blew my mind. I was like, this is such a different form of telling a story. And anytime I would have someone over, I'd be like, you have to watch this movie. It's just, it's so different. And it had such an impact on me. And so I would say that is perhaps the most influential piece of work. In addition to that city of a God, I saw that a few years later and just the way, again, storytelling, it was done so brilliantly well, um, how it was able to tell like 30 years of how the criminal gangs in Brazil started in Rio de Janeiro. And I just found it fascinating that, you know, it was so gritty and so well told. Uh, and um, I would also say uh, Requiem for a Dream uh, by Aronofsky. Uh, again, great stereoty- uh, great storytelling and the way it told how people's lives get destroyed by drugs. I always recommend anybody to share that movie before they ever decide to do it, just because you can see how bad it goes for these folks. So it was different characters and how different types of drugs affect them and the downfall. So uh, seeing both, both of those, all three of those movies have a lot of violence, a lot of drug use. So you can see the influences in 357 Magnum Opus for sure.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen Requiem for a Dream yet, but on uh, your recommendation, I'm going to check that out.
1: Yeah, you, you will definitely enjoy it. It's, it's not something you can see over and over. It's once you see it, you're like, wow, like, <laughs> that that's be hardcore. It's intense. So
0: You mentioned City of God. How
1: old were you when you saw that? City of God? I was, I was in my 20s when I saw that. Uh, I was in my 20s when I saw that. I'm trying to remember when, but I've seen that a few times just because there's certain parts that they do. And I'm like, that's a really interesting way they t- told that part of the story. And uh, some things I've missed in the first time I've watched it and I catch it the second time. and You know, I've seen it a few times. But the movie I've seen the most, oddly, isn't any of those three. It's actually, it's Forrest Gump. <laughs> I've seen Forrest Gump probably a few dozen times. I've also seen The Departed a lot. That's one of my favorites as well. So that's um, anything with Scorsese, any of the mafia movies, you know, Goodfellas is amazing. Casino was amazing. So I'll, it, I've seen a lot of movies, as as you can tell, and I would say they've all had some kind of impact on me.
0: Absolutely, I can definitely see those influences on Three Fifty Seven. I really love City of God too. I think it's had a lot of a big impact on a lot of different creatives, probably all over the world. I think you won't be the last person to say that was an influence for him. I don't think. Uh,
1: Yeah, I hope not. You know, it's funny because when I saw Pulp Fiction, I was like, I always wanted to be a film director. And I was like, I want to be a film director. But when I saw City of God, I was like, I can never be a film director. This is just on a whole different level of brilliance, like the way they created everything. So it really set reality for me. Like there's some filmmakers who are really willing to go there uh, to get something made. So
0: Okay. And so just so you know, these questions might come out of order. Like I said, we edit for, um, you know, appearance and taste and whatnot. Uh, this next question might be a little bit out of place, but I'm certainly going to ask you because it might make sense later. Who's your favorite bounty hunter, fictional or you know, real? I don't
1: think I have a favorite bounty hunter. However, I always found Domino Harvey to be interesting. They did make a movie on her life called Domino starring Keira Knightley. I did write 357 Magnum opus before I knew of her. However, just reading about her life and how she came from you know, a really well-to-do family and uh, left that to become a bounty hunter, which was very odd for someone from, you know, her, uh, you know, family status. And then the demons that she had, to, unfortunately, they got the best of her. But, you know, the fact that she was, that she chose such an interesting career choice for her, where she had an opportunity to do many other things. So I never have watched like Dog the Bounty Hunter, but, you know, I've read enough about bounty hunters, but I don't, I don't think I've had one that I would say is is my favorite
0: enough. Is there something about you, uh, the fans of the comic book, or reference novel might not know?
1: Um, there's a lot. I have a lot of little Easter eggs in there. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a scene with when they go into the bar and it's called Sylvia's. That's actually based off Sylvia Plath, the poet. Right. So I'll throw in little things in there, little names of certain places. They have like a deeper meaning for me when he has Stivers written on his arm, Stivers is the name of the school I went to when I was a child. Some things that are personal to me, I've thrown in there as well.
0: Nuggets, I like it.
1: Yeah, so, again, I've also been, like, the the scene in the bowling alley, it's actually influenced by The Big Lebowski. So, uh, (laughs) different influences of movies, um, just like the ones I mentioned earlier, but, like, even um, Mulholland Drive with David Lynch and uh, Mm. Boondot Saints. So they have their little places here and there where I thought that's a pretty cool scene. Let me see if I can incorporate that in the, in the story as well. So a little bit of uh, a little bit of things that are personal to me and then things again from the movie
0: world that I've, that I've incorporated into the story. You have a lot of prominent influences. Uh, Do you think directing could be in your future at all? (laughs) Or screenwriting?
1: You know, I wanted to go to film school. I actually got into film school. However, at the time of financially, I just could not afford it. And I was planning to go to grad school for screenwriting, but I opted to go to Afghanistan instead. So who knows, uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I did help co-direct and wrote and produce a small little film for Afghan television. Who knows? Maybe I, you can never plan for anything. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Sometimes other people's vision just blows my mind. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather have you do this because you take it to a whole different level. So, but directing, I would never say no to it. So, yeah.
0: And so uh, what is the Artillery Network? uh, Where does that name come from? Is it significant?
1: It's actually a little embarrassing. I'm a big fan of the book and the movie Fight Club. And I could have swore when I read that long time ago that there was something called Artillery Network. So when I created my LLC, I was like, oh yeah, I want to copy that. And then I did it. And then when I went back to look for it, I could not find it. I'm like, did I just imagine that? So it just, I guess it did not exist, but I guess maybe I combined a couple of different words, but it was supposed to be inspired by Fight Club. So um, that's how I
0: came up with it. If you wanted to be inspired by Fight Club, it was. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. That's awesome. Another great influence. That's really cool. Um, I see you spent a lot of time at the movies. I've seen a lot of movies,
1: yeah. My parents actually owned a video store when I was younger and my family, uh, some of my cousins, uh, they were in the video store business. This is before Blockbuster came about mm-hmm. and funny how the world works like that. But as, as when I watch movies, I love reading screenplays as well. So just seeing that first draft of that screenplay and then seeing the final product and yeah. how different it is and all the changes it goes through, it's, it's always interesting. I would say probably my favorite screenplay is Boogie Nights. It's oh, classic. just the, the things that it has in the screenplay that aren't in the movie. So, and I always love to point out to people, I'm like, oh, in the screenplay, there was actually this, but it didn't make the final cut, you know? Mm. So that's always fun.
0: Okay. Well, could you tell a little bit about maybe your childhood? So you spent a lot of time in movies, were you interested in other things there? Or did you go to college at one point?
1: Yeah, uh, I actually attended Cal State uh, East Bay in Hayward, California. So that's where I studied communications. And, um, I grew up in Fremont, uh, California and very close with my cousins and, and family, uh, played tennis in high school. So not much there. And, uh, I wrote the first draft of 357 Magno Magnum Opus while I was in college actually. And they actually did a couple scenes Then I put it away. And then, uh, when I moved to Afghanistan for a few years, I, I took it out and I rewrote it. I would say it's 75, 85% of it. Of course, you know, it's like, you, you look at, you look back and you go, okay, what did I write? And then I just fixed as, as much as I could. So that's, that's primarily it. you know, we, we came here as refugees. So, um, it was a, a very different experience, you know, being an Afghan American and being, you know, caught between two different cultures that were very, very different. So and doing the best you can, but, um, yeah, I went to public school and, and was fortunate to go to college and, uh, maybe in the future, who knows? I go to grad school. It was it was more for like networking because I've taken screenwriting courses and such. Uh, but, uh, you know, I always feel like the real actual experience of doing something is more impactful than just necessarily the education. So things keep changing. So communication studies years ago is very different than what it is today. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So 357 Magnum Opus is a graphic novel right now but you could have written a story in a bunch of different mediums. Why'd you choose a graphic novel?
1: Actually, 357 Magnum Opus was written as a screenplay uh, initially. Okay. And then know. when I moved back from Afghanistan to the U S in 2013, forgot what I had read. I think I had read, um, i trying to remember the name. I think it was called Sandy. I'm not positive, but I'd read a, a couple of graphic novels and I thought this would actually visually because there's the bowling alley there's the dry cleaners there's violence there's action there's so much to unpack that it that visually i think it would be very interesting so uh, 2013 i contacted one of my friends i said do you know anybody who does this i wasn't really too familiar with the industry and he pointed out a couple artists so i just figured visually i think it would be really interesting to show the story in this medium so
0: yeah it definitely um it reached me in certainly a different way than it would have been if I had just read a book. Um, so that's really cool. Definitely came through.
1: I think um, I'm a better screenwriter than I'm a writer. I wouldn't say my prose writing is the best. It's kind of very matter of fact. I love dialogue, writing dialogue primarily. So, and I agree. I think I think visually it's, it stands out more than being a novel.
0: Do you, uh, when you're composing something like we could just an office, screenwriting, Are you considering the uh, factor of like escapism in there at all? Do you want to take people to a certain place with your work or is it just, you know, take it, take it or leave it. You know what I mean?
1: It's honestly to entertain. I want people to read it, have fun with it. Maybe imagine a world uh, and with these characters, understand some of the decisions they're making. It's not necessarily the best decision, but it's the best decision at that time. And just think about the world and you know, I'm, I'm working on a prequel and a sequel to the story. So there's a, a background to these characters, how they end up in the situation and what happens after the situation because it is a full story in itself, but uh, there's more to unpack there. So honestly, it's again, be entertained, have fun with it. And that's that's primarily it. And if they, you know, when I go to these comic cons and I meet people I'm like, when you read this, if you have any cool ideas... I would love to get people's opinions. So when they tell me, they're like, oh, is this what this is? And I go, not necessarily, but that's interesting. And Mm -hmm. let me think about that. So I always like to hear what people think also about the characters' relationships with one another.
0: Awesome. You talked about how people are interpreting your work. Uh, Could you share some of those experiences with us? Some things that maybe people thought were, you know, completely wrong or they got right on?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because so the three main bounty hunters, uh, Sex Pistol, Cassius, and Dylan. Some a couple of people actually came to me and they were like, is there like a polyamorous relationship? I'm like, there's tension. However, I wouldn't necessarily say it's polyamorous, but I had a couple of people come to me about that. And I think it was interesting to hear their thoughts on that because I don't Dylan's doesn't have a really big role in this book, but she'll have a, a bigger role in the prequel. In fact, the prequel will be more about Dylan as the bounty hunter and understanding that relationship between Sex, Personal, and Cassius. Um, so some people realize there is a relationship, but how far has that relationship actually gone? So that's that's always fun to understand where, where that people are actually thinking about those characters.
0: Definitely. I'm sure you know every single fan is going to have their own interpretation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> work. Okay, so your cover art's been described as unapologetic and no holds barred. Who illustrated it, and, and how did you decide on it? So I
1: couldn't come up with a cover after the artist Ming Chen Chen was completed. We were thinking, what do we do for the cover? Do I use a separate cover artist? Do I continue working with Ming Chen? And I met up with my friend, Josh, who, uh, and he's actually a creative director. And he's like, what's your favorite scene in this book? And I mentioned the, my, the, my favorite scene and he's like, well, don't you do that? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I should. <laughs> so both Ming Chen And Josh worked on it together. So Mi Chen did a a draft with a look. And then Josh worked on the coloring and styling. And he's also the one that came up with the logo. So both of those uh, guys uh, worked on it. And I I loved it, but it is controversial. And I always tell people, like, that's probably the most controversial. It might be the most controversial part of the book. But uh, yeah, it is no holds barred. It's not for everybody. Uh, It has scared some people away at the Comic-Cons. And, you know, well, this is a limited hardcover version that I have. The second print probably probably will be a lot safer. It'll probably be (laughs) PG-13. But uh, I went for, I made a creative decision and uh, it was a big one. So um, I'm I'm happy with it. I I like the cover. So I think they did a great job.
0: I I love it when creatives, you know, don't have any ambitions. So I love that. It was a really action-packed scene, and it was surreal seeing the cover art in that scene because it was kind of like a, a um, ah moment for me. It was like, oh, that's where that comes from. Um, it definitely um, gave it a deeper meaning, if you will.
1: Okay, it actually okay, came cool. from the
0: book instead of yeah. being some abstract scene that you know should never happen.
1: Exactly. So that's that's why I decided to just go for the cover and, and such with that.
0: All right. Could you describe what you want people to feel from 357 magnum opus in one word, or is that too solid to ask? I know that's kind of a hard question. One word. What to feel? Or one sentence. I'll accept one sentence.
1: <laughs> Holy crap. What did I just read? <laughs> that would be, I want somebody to finish and be like, okay, what was that? Okay. Do I need to re- read it? Is there a deeper meaning? What did I miss? So uh, I love when people tell me, oh, I had to read it a couple of times because, you know, the first time it was fast. The second time I wanted to see, you know, certain scenes and, re-read them." so I definitely it's a it's a it's not a slow read. It's a fast read. But I definitely want, uh, like I mentioned, I want people to be entertained with it, have fun with it. And and uh, think about the characters, uh, what happens after, you know, what happens to them after what happened to them before to bring them to the situation.
0: So. Well, mission accomplished there. I definitely was, uh, you know, entertained and excited when I read through it. I can think of another work you mentioned earlier on Pulp Fiction. And what I felt after watching Pulp Fiction, you know, scene by scene was, what did I just watch?
1: Right, right. Yeah. It's like, did that just happen? Like, and it's like, wait a minute, let me, okay, let me watch that again and rewind. Okay. Yeah, that did actually happen. So,
0: so, without spoiling too much of the book, I can say it's heavy on sex and drugs and violence, if you will. As a storyteller, uh, where do those themes fit in your toolbox, or are they the entire toolbox?
1: I don't want to answer that. I mean, I've you, you saw the movies I've mentioned that have influenced me. They're used mainly for entertainment purposes in this. The characters, yeah, there's violence because that's the world. There's drugs because, again, it's their world. So this is just the world that they're inhibiting and partaking in. In other works that I have, I don't really have a lot of violence. And I actually prefer comedy, but writing comedy is very hard. Um, I give a lot of credit to people who can be funny and, and write all that. It's, <laughs> it's quite difficult. But, um, again, it's the world that they're living in. So it requires research. It requires upping it for entertainment purposes so that's why i use a a lot of the sex drugs and violence in their world because it is it is a very dark bleak world and it requires them to do things that normal people probably wouldn't do so
0: makes sense you know every environment's different and uh just like every story is different
1: yeah they're definitely products of their environments right and who knows i mean when you are in a certain environment and it sometimes brings out the best in you. Sometimes it brings out the worst in you. So I can say that for me personally as well. So there's, you know, times when, you know, you're like, what did I just say? What did I just do? But mm-hmm. it's because that is the world you live in and you have to, you know, you have to adapt to that. So, you know, if you notice in that in the book, you know, Cindy, you know, that's not her world necessarily.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. So that Cindy, uh, to me, kind of representing the audience, bringing them into that world.
1: Oh, interesting! Interesting. Yes, Cindy is supposed to be a little bit more the naive innocence.
0: So there are some really cool cinematic, you know, uh, angles and visuals in the, the graphic novel. Do you ever see it being fully really featured screenplay, or, or do you ever want to see it on, you know, acted act out live action?
1: Absolutely, I would love to see 337 Magnum Opus as as a movie
0: as a Ooh, directed.
1: gosh <laughs> and, uh, i don't know you know i really do like guy ritchie i love tarantino i'm really open to the direction so it would be great to have even a woman director i would love to get their eyes on it so I'm i'm really open to the direction honestly so who knows myself? I am just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: never yeah. shut that door.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, and that's the thing. I would never shut the door. I'm like, if someone's really like, oh, I really love the story. I, I, I have this vision for it. And so why not? Like, I would love to listen to it and be like, yeah, let's do, let's go for it.
0: Have you ever given any thought as to who would play your three main characters? Just I an actors. Oh, okay, could you please, please share?
1: Oh God. Um, they're not, not necessarily based on anybody. However, like looks-wise, I would say Vin Diesel for Cassius has always been on my mind. For Sex Pistol, Angelina Jolie, Charlize Theron, they would be pretty cool. I would say the look that Cindy has is kind of based on Amber Heard Mm -hmm. with the blonde hair, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily played by Amber Heard, but that's kind of like the look I was going for. And then Dylan was actually kind of based on um, Shannon Sossaman. Not a lot of people know her as an actress, but she's done some pretty good work in the couple decades ago or a decade ago. So she's kind of been off the radar. But those are some of the individuals. Uh, Mickey Rourke would be great as Rip Blackman. I, I think I could see him there. So, so there's, a, there's a lot of great actors and actresses that I think would, you know, I can definitely envision them playing any of these roles.
0: It's really cool to see you giving it that much thought. I hope we're speaking this into existence now. I hope so. I
1: hope so. Maybe we can manifest it together. Right.
0: So. Not to give too much away, but uh, someone is strangled with a bra in one of the in the graphic novel, and I just thought to myself, I'll never look at a bra again the same uh, the same way. I'm just dying to know how you came up with that.
1: You know that scene I wrote. One of the reasons that scene is one of my favorites is because I wrote it in a state of flow. I wasn't. I felt like the characters, the action, it was writing itself. That scene, if you notice, it incorporates that action scene along with Cassius and Cindy being at the casino. So it's one scene, another scene, one scene, and that's actually heavily influenced by the movie Snatch. So that scene uh, where they have the rabbits being chased, in addition to the criminal activity that's going on, interspersed. So Jason Statham. It is Jason Statham. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. Really cool. So it's a, it's a great movie. So, um, and the song that's playing is um, Disco Science by DJ Mirwise. He's also Afghan. Um, but that song in my head, music also plays a big influence in how I write. So I wrote with that song in my head and in a state of flow, and it just completed it by itself. So that's why it's my, one of my favorite scenes. So, it's and definitely- it, it just came about. So I can't tell. You that I've read somewhere about a, someone using a bra, it just happened. So,
0: it's one of my favorite scenes too. It was really where I started to, you know, that immersive experience I talked about earlier really started to happen for me. I just, you know, everything else kind of around the story kind of faded away and I was just focused in. Oh, wonderful. Cool. So, I think you've done a great job with that 337 Opus balancing your main characters. And then, like I said, inviting the audience along for the journey, for the ride, to learn the characters and learn what they're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about that process?
1: Yeah, the process, I don't know how I can explain my process. When I initially wrote this, I was in college. It was a very different screenplay. And when I rewrote it, again, I did some more research. I was more mature. It's honestly just about entertaining individuals and trying to stick kind of with the screenwriting rules of your three-act structure, many of your plot points. So I try to follow the follow that as closely as I can but at the same time when I write dialogue I try to write the way people kind of speak mm-hmm. so just so you can you can get that feel so I, I don't know if there's a process necessarily again it's just heavily influenced by pop culture and what's influenced me and I'm just putting it out there so I mean that's probably the best explanation I can do for it, it i'm not it, sure if that's a good explanation but that's probably the best way i can
0: it answer. is it's a great explanation um everybody's process is different as i was reading it felt like i just walked up into out of the scenes like I was, almost like i was invited and i just saw what was going on it was very easy so that's what came across to me that's what i was talking about
1: got it okay yeah, I, I try to, you know, in screenwriting, it's like you got to start the scene as late as possible, right? It's not like you want to set up. So taking that into consideration. And I had a really great editor, a uh, friend named Flip, who helped uh, with me, Chen to make sure the paneling made sense, made sure the action scenes made sense. So he really helped a lot to make this a really great graphic novel and get the right pacing for the story. So, awesome. That really
0: came through. And so you talked a little bit earlier about the prequel and sequel. Is there anything else you can tell us about those?
1: Uh, yeah, without ruining too much. The sequel, it's slowly, the thoughts, kind of different storylines are coming in my head. But the prequel, uh, I will definitely finish in the next three to four months, and it's based off how uh, can you remember, there's a, a scene with a character named Lacabra, and Lacabra is actually the main main villain. And it shows how Dylan infiltrates La Cabra's gang. And which ultimately, you know, leads to her death. Uh, It's giving out another spoiler, but there's not a lot of Dylan in this, you know, you see her in flashbacks. But the prequel, will explore that and her relationship with Sex, Pistol and Cassius. And then for the sequel, it'll be how Cindy is back in their lives, back in Sex, Pistol's life, and how she becomes a bounty hunter. So... How she goes from being a naive young girl to being a bit more emboldened by the people who surround her. So th- that's, you know, that'll be the trilogy.
0: Looking forward to that, definitely. <laughs> I could see Cindy being quote unquote groomed, or you, you could you could definitely foreshadow and you could see her having more involvement in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any creatives out there um, that you have an eye on that you just want to work with in the future? Wow, there's a, there's a,
1: many creatives I would love to work with, and when I go to these comic cons, I'm so humbled to meet so many talented people, um, both artists, writers, publishers, and you know I've read you know several books over the past few years, Fiona Staples, Amy Chu, Jen Bartel. I would love to work with more women creatives as well. And even with publishers like Ross Ritchie from Boom Studios and Fair Square Comics with Fabrice, I had a chance to meet with David Walker briefly. He he bought the book, who now is at uh, Rose City Comic Con, and I've had a chance to look at some of his work. It'd be great to work with him, as well. Um, so there is just so mu- there's so much talent, and I would even love to work with people who aren't necessarily well known, and but they love to cre- create. So and being able to work with them. To create something together would, would definitely be something I would love to do.
0: And you know, it's nothing but time and opportunity at this point. So definitely. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote in the book? In the book, or in life in general?
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's not something I always say, but uh, it's a movie title. It's a it's not necessarily a great Clint Eastwood movie, but it's called Every Which Way But Loose. So I used to use the acronym. WWbl you know, but it's it's not a great movie by any means, but I just thought it was really cool to use, so that's that's something every which way but loose. In the book, there's, a, you know, a lot of dialogue. I ate nothing on top of my head,
0: but yeah. Are you an Eastwood
1: fan? He has some great work. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a Clint Eastwood fan. I saw a lot of Charles Bronson movies when I was younger, too, so I'd probably say I'm a bigger Charles Bronson fan. Um, I probably will rewatch some of his movies for some inspiration he was you know pretty badass renegade type kind of doesn't listen to anybody and just you know took charge so of the situation so i really like that i probably shouldn't have watched his movies when i was a young (laughs) child but
0: i did so yeah Uh, but what's the uh long-term vision for you creatively maybe five ten or twenty years down the road
1: yeah, I envisioned being more of a publisher or a producer, working with writers and artists to help them find their voice and an outlet to be able to create their work and mm. get it out there for masses. So there's you know, a lot of people who can't necessarily financially afford to do it or they don't have the network. So being able to help them, if you're a writer, find the right artist to pair you up with, to tell your story, and get your book out there. Uh write more screenplays. I would love to do that. So those are some of the things I want to do. Um, work, find some more different artists, maybe do some anthologies. I have some more ideas beyond the 357 Magnum Opus um, universe that I'm working on currently. And uh, looking forward to even le- leveraging technology um, as well. And, you know, with blockchain and NFTs, seeing where that goes. Right now it's the hot buzzword, but when it stabilizes and it's taken more seriously, I guess. Right now, it's just, it's the hot thing, but I would love to do things with technology as well and embrace that in
0: art. I was very surprised to learn the the different types of files or different types of things you could turn into an NFT, video games, you know, audio files and whatnot. That was eye-opening for me. I thought it was just images for a while, but definitely not now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting, this world. to see where it's going, and there's games, and it's just it's it's crazy. It's really crazy. This whole metaverse, and I'm learning every day, and uh, working with some individuals at the moment, taking some next steps with them, and seeing what we can do.
0: Do you have any advice for up and coming creatives out there?
1: Yeah, I would advise uh, if you're a writer, work with artists, learn their process, uh, learn how the panels work, learn their their artwork and their style and what it takes to be an artist, right? Because you have to have realistic expectations. And same for artists. Figure out how the writing process works. Figure out how the story comes about. Write your own story. So try to learn different parts of the publishing world, editing, writing, art. Try to be a force to be reckoned with that you understand all the parts to it. I think uh, it makes you just stronger and more knowledgeable if you can learn about the legalities, right? Learn about, just because you're an artist doesn't mean you can't learn about, you know, the legal process and learn about trademarks, learn about the copyrights. So, and network, network with individuals in as much as you can. If you're an artist, meet with lawyers. If you're a writer, meet with lawyers, (laughs) meet with uh, accountants, meet with publishers. So, just embrace the network. Uh, So far, everyone I've met has been really amazing really nice willing to share you don't necessarily find that in every industry it's it's been really really cool to see that that people are very helpful and and such and they're they're rooting for you it's not I don't feel like it's a competitive atmosphere um, at the moment at least that's how I feel so just to get get to know people and be open to sharing you know your your network and your connections and if you know somebody who would help could help somebody else introduce them so just go into it with you know, with a good um, good sense of purpose.
0: Sound um, stuff. There's definitely enough eyeballs for, you know, more very creative out there, right? There's never going to be enough content. People are always consuming content and in the future, they will continue to, you know, for more, more digital content, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's also really important that you develop your brand as well. Don't necessarily worry about sales, but because you really want to, get your product in the right hands too. Uh, I had a cousin she's like, oh, I want your book. I'm like, well, are you actually going to read it? You know, because (laughs) I want you to read it and let me know what you think, you know? So basically it's kind of like build your brand, find the right audience who actually wants to read your work and wants to buy your artwork and build your brand, be active on social media. You constantly, it's a bit of a balance, right? You're creating work, but you're also having to market yourself. So it can be overwhelming. So feel free to work with marketers. Again, learn marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Learn the different technologies that are out there, the social networks, what works best, uh, what would work best. Um, I think you and I connected over LinkedIn, right? We did. So I found LinkedIn so far to be my favorite social channel. I'm on everything, but you don't have to be on everything necessarily, right? And it just depends on what your goals are. So uh, I think marketing is really important for a creator as well. So just you can create all the work you want, but if you can't get it into the... If the right people aren't seeing it, then it's it's not going to be helpful. So.
0: Sound stuff. That's Yeah. So this has been incredible. Um, thank you so much for sharing some time with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. This is awesome. I really love chatting with you and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have going on. So I think it's pretty big.
0: Do you think you can come back after uh, maybe the prequel, the sequel out? Absolutely. I would love to. I think that'll be really fun. Awesome. I can't wait. I definitely want to open the floor up to you. Do you have anything you want to highlight the website? And then we're going to do a profile mock-up on StoryStone.co. But anything you want to highlight here to tell fans where to be?
1: Yeah. Uh, 357magnumopus.com. That's where you can buy the book, both digital version or hardcover. It's also on Amazon. And it's also going to be on Kindle. And that can be followed on Instagram. or um, at 357magnumopus. And uh, I'm on Twitter and also on TikTok. So it's uh, Gazelle Supernova uh, for both those handles. So those are um, that's where you can find me. And you- I love chatting with anybody. So anyone who wants to send me a message, chat more about comics, screenwriting, storytelling, marketing, I'm always down.
0: You're the first comic author I've met who's on TikTok. Are you active, and how's that experience? <laughs> you
1: know, I was really active last year. Um, definitely check it out. I was very active last year. It just got really draining. It's really hard, again, the creative process of marketing yourself. And it was really creating little short snippets and videos of the comic. It's not, you won't see me on it necessarily. It was fun doing some TikTok lives. I will probably start being more active again. I don't do the trends. Again, it's just the time, you know, it's like sometimes I think about okay, you were so busy making TikTok videos, but maybe if you had invested some money into certain stocks, um, like the GameStop and AMC, you could have made a lot of money, but you were busy making TikTok videos. But it's been a while since I made a video, but it was fun. It was fun making those and playing with the music. Um, I hope to do more.
0: Well, thanks again, Giselle. And thanks to all those listening and watching wherever you are. Be sure to visit storystorm.co slash storymakers to listen to the full transcripts of this interview and see what else Giselle's working on. Also, stay locked in our social media feeds for more from the StoryMaker series, free digital art, a contest, storytelling resources, and more. Peace.
1: Peace.